I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. And welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Danny, Sheriff, and I are back for part three of our hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery Q&A series. <laughs> as much as I have loved this series, because trust me, I have absolutely loved sitting down with Danny Sheriff and chatting about periods and the process of recovering from HA. As much as I have loved all of this, I feel like I'm not going to miss saying hypothalamic amenorrhea Q&A recovery series or whatever. I always get the words jumbled up. So I'm sure that you are also going to be relieved when I no longer have to jumble up those words. <laughs> but anyways, like I was saying, this is part three of the HA recovery series that Danny Sheriff and I have been doing. I wanted to spend all of August talking about HA recovery and periods. And I have successfully done that. The reason why I wanted to do that was because August 2020 was my one year anniversary of getting my period back and recovering from HA after 12 years of struggling with hypothalamic amenorrhea. So August 2020, a very special, special month of my life. And I'm so grateful that you all have joined me here week after week, listening to Danny and I talk about HA recovery and answering your questions. So if you've been here all month long, this episode is nothing different. This is part three. We're answering your questions about HA recovery. And I'm so excited. We touch on tons of great questions this episode and we get kind of fiery about some topics. So I'm really excited for you to listen to Danny and I. But before we cut over to the chat today, the chat of the hour, um, just a few things, just a few reminders. So if you're listening to this episode right now. Why don't you take a screenshot and just post it to Instagram and tag Danny and I. Danny and I love chatting with you, seeing who's listening to the podcast. I love, love, love talking to you over on Instagram. So just tag me. My handle over on Instagram is I am Meg Dahl and I'd love to see who's listening to this episode. Second thing, Back home to you. All spots have been filled for the September group 
of Back Home To You. Now, if you've been looking forward to working with me inside a small, intimate group setting and having me coach you and support you through your self-love and self-healing journey, but maybe you're not part of the September group of Back Home To You, Maybe you didn't have the time to schedule a discovery call with me or maybe you were just kind of, um, you know, still feeling it out but now you're really wishing that you booked that discovery call with me. No worries. We are going to be starting new groups every single month for this 12-week small group coaching program. So I want to work with as many women as possible, guiding you through your self-love and self-healing journey, helping you completely transform your relationship with your mind, your emotions, and your body. We're going to get to the root of your unhealthy, outdated, limiting beliefs and really help you uproot them, and completely rid them from your life for good, okay? So this is for you if you are moving through HA recovery. This is for you if you're post-HA recovery and you're still trying to find that body peace and that inner freedom that I know you want. This is for you if you've never experienced HA before but you're feeling stuck and frustrated and like a standstill in your self-love journey. This is for any woman who is looking for that freedom. So there are more spots open now for the October group. I know it's not October yet. I know we're about a month away from October essentially, um, just over a month away. But you can confirm your spot throughout the month of September and we will get going come October. So that's how this is working and I'm so excited to meet the next women inside Back Home To You. So, so excited and absolutely blessed and honored to be working with these women who are saying yes to themselves and really ready to dive into their self-love journey. I'm so, so honored. So that concludes what I have to say today and we will get into this episode with Danny Sheriff. Remember, this is part three. So if you missed part one and two, I definitely recommend going back to those first and then listening to this episode. And we have new content next week on Wednesday. So enjoy this. Um, This kind of wraps up my full-on dedication to talking HA and periods. Hey, Danny, We're back. Hey. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited. It's been like two, two or three weeks or something. I know. Why do you have to go and leave me? <laughs> no, it was so worth it. I'm super happy for you that you got away. Um, but I had to record a solo podcast episode without you. Which is amazing. <laughs> and I'm sure you enjoyed every second of it. I love doing solo ones sometimes. It's fun. So do I. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's so nice to just like sit down with your mic and 
just blab. And it sounds kind of like it might be a little bit difficult to just talk by yourself for 40 minutes because I think that's how long I recorded for. But those 40 minutes go by so fast. And I was like, did I just talk to myself for 40 minutes? (laughs) You're just doing a TED Talk, 40-minute TED Talk by yourself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So, girl, I was making lunch today. And I thought of you and I was like, this is going to be a really fun question to kick off our part three of our HA Q&A recovery series. So my question is, what is like something that you do now that's like a total like this is so cool and a recovery win type thing like it's like this is something that happens in my life now because I recovered do you know what I I mean this question yeah I love this question and I feel like I ask it to people in different ways all the time um that was not a good way of me wording it (laughs) so I hope everyone understands It just, it comes up in, in so many different aspects of life, right? Like because I recovered, I see, you know, insert aspect of life that is completely flipped on its head. Yeah. For me, the biggest one. And I think this will resonate with some people. Others might think I'm crazy, whatevs. But a huge one for me has been getting time back. Mm. As in like not wishing time away. So when you're restricting calories in the way that I was, all you wanted was it to be the time for the next meal. Like I just finished breakfast. I'm still hungry. When's lunch? I can't wait. Oh my God. It's only 10 o'clock. I'm like, I hate that. Oh my gosh. I finished dinner. I'm just going to go to bed early so that I can wake up and have breakfast. And I didn't even realize that I was in that cycle. And when I was able to recover and really just go into the process of HA, like I was enjoying how long the days were. I was like, oh, yay, it's only 10 o'clock. I still have time to like do this and I can do that and I can stay up a little late. And because I I wasn't like wishing my life away so that I could go to bed because I'm tired and hungry. So that was like a huge one. I love that. I love that so much. And I know that's going to hit home for a lot of girls listening to this. And yeah, just... HA recovery totally brought that back into my life too. Um, just being happier with the like with the time and being present, right? Yeah. It's funny because my answer to that question, like the thing that actually made me think of this question, it also has to do with time. So I was like, that's really interesting. So it happened to me today and this got me thinking. I was like, this is such a cool thing about fully recovering. So I was hungry. I was like on calls this morning, all morning. And then I was hungry and I was like, okay, I'm going to go into the kitchen and make some lunch. And by the time I like had my lunch all made and I was ready to eat, I just happened to glance at the clock and it was only 1130. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Like it's not even noon yet, but like, you know, that wasn't a factor in my like decision making for making lunch it because similar to you right like if I was 
hungry at 11.30 in the past or even 11 in the past because it took me a bit to put my lunch together. But if I was hungry earlier in the past, I would have kind of like made myself wait a little longer until noon because that was lunchtime. And it was just like really cool to just like happen to glance up at the clock today and be like, oh, it's not even noon. But I just knew I was really hungry and I needed to eat lunch. And it sounds so simple, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Like that is one of the things about recovery that our ladies can look forward to. Wow. It's weird how similar as answers were. Yeah. Completely unrehearsed. But you guess like you get your life back. Yeah. It's just the coolest thing. And to not, yeah, not worry about it being 12 o'clock. Like if you're hungry, you're hungry. And you had no feelings or emotions around it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I was hungry and I didn't even think about looking at the clock. I was like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to go make my lunch now. Not even knowing what time it was. And that was just like a really cool, like reflect moment for me. Yeah. I love that. Yay. Yay. So fun. So yeah, I really enjoyed that question too. So I'm happy you liked that. And I'm sure there are other things we can think of. So we can ask that question again. (laughs) Yeah, definitely for sure. But we actually got a few new questions added to the list this week. And one of them... I really want to dive into like right now because it is something that I really like talking about, but I also receive this question a lot. So I'm just going to bring it up right now. And that is what if you're going through HA recovery and you really just like can't trust your hunger cues at the moment because maybe you aren't getting hungry. Maybe you're just not hungry and you can't really trust those hunger cues yet because you know you need to eat a certain amount of food, but you're not actually hungry for all that food yet. And the reason why I do get so passionate about this question is because I was totally there. That was actually the reason that like really kicked me in the ass to pursue HA recovery. I was never hungry. That was basically like the only symptom aside from not getting my period. (laughs) Like, you know, people deal with hair loss. They deal with low energy. They deal with poor sleep, that sort of thing. I was sleeping like a baby. I felt great. My hair wasn't falling out. Like, you know, all of those symptoms I didn't have. But the one symptom that I did have was my hormones were so down-regulated that I was not hungry. And to me, that was like a huge sign that, oh my gosh, I wake up and I'm literally not hungry and I'm not hungry all day. And to me, that's a huge sign that like my hormones aren't sending me those signals to eat, right? Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear you talk more about this because for me, I was hungry all the time, the whole time. And the day that I went all in, I was waking up at like 5 a.m. hungry, hungry. So basically I went, you know, from just restriction straight to that stage 
Whereas for many people, like you're talking about, there does appear to be a stage in between that some people go through, which is having no hunger. And I had posted just yes, or a couple days ago, um, a new drawing on my Instagram that was about like having an appetite is a good thing and how we, we, we like feel good about ourselves sometimes when we're not hungry. Mm -hmm. um, and like congratulate ourselves on that. And we spend so much time solidifying that habit and sitting in our hunger for so long that yeah, the hunger goes away. Maybe can you talk more about like why that happens or who that happens to? Yeah, yeah. So it would definitely happen to those of us who do just ignore those hunger cues for such a long time and have spent a period of time under eating because when that happens, our hormones literally do downregulate. So we're not going to be receiving those hunger cues, like those feelings that make us think like, oh, I'm hungry. Those aren't like essential functions of the body, right? Like our heart beating is literally essential for us to live. But having that like desire to eat or that feeling to eat, that's not really like a foundational part of life, right? So when we are under eating and our body isn't getting enough fuel, it turns off non-essential things like our period, right? That's why you're listening to this episode today. That's why you don't have a period. You're not eating enough, so your body has shut down the ability to reproduce because that's not a non-essential. Same with hunger cues, right? Like that's not really essential to feel hungry. So your body's shutting that down. You're not going to get that cue anymore. So I really had to just start eating. And that's where I coined the term. I had never heard anyone else use this until I used it, but who knows? But um, I started calling it intentional eating, right? So we hear a lot about intuitive eating. But for me, I felt like, man, like intuitive eating feels a little challenging for me right now because I wake up and the way people talk about intuitive eating nowadays, it's like you wake up and if you're hungry, you eat. And if you aren't, like maybe wait a little bit and see if you're hungry in a bit. But in order to get your period back, fasting isn't optimal. It's not great for your hormones. And you're in a position right now, if you are working to get your period back, your body needs to know that it's fed, right? So instead of being intuitive and just following my hunger cues, I was intentional about knowing like where my body is at, what my goals were, and I kind of had this rule for myself. And I think we need to like almost reframe our relationship with rules too, right? Because we're like pursuing HA recovery to get away from all the rules, but I actually did implement some rules for myself. Like I said, I put in this rule that when I woke up in the morning, I was going to eat breakfast, like period. Mm -hmm. I didn't have an option. Mm -hmm. And that to me 
was intentional eating. So to like answer this listener's question is like if you feel like you can't fully just like go all in because you can't, you're really not getting any hunger cues right now, I would say set up some structure for yourself, some loving structure, right? Let's put like a Meg flare on there, all my stuff, loving structure. And do that like intentional eating. And when you wake up in the morning, even if you're not hungry, you need to eat. Point blank, you need to eat breakfast. And then you're going to eat another snack and then another meal. Like, you know, you're not waiting for that hunger to come. But what I will tell you is when you do set up that intentional eating, you 1000% will get that hunger back. Like this is not a forever thing that you're just like not going to feel hungry. Your hunger will come back. Mine came back very quickly like within a week under a week my hunger was like full blown back so it was literally you know only a few days of me saying like oh I'm all in that I really didn't have any hunger and then it came full force so it doesn't take long and then something that I think both you and I can talk about is that hunger a lot of people wait until they have like that like stomach hungry feeling and i think that's another reframe that a lot of women need to do is like e- either reframe how they perceive hunger or just like broaden their definition of what hunger can actually feel like within their body because i know for me i don't get that like oh, I could eat feeling right now type feeling like when I'm hungry. Most often when I'm hungry, I start getting a headache. Like I just like start getting like this faint headache above my eyebrows. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm hungry right now. And usually like that's like definitely past the point of hunger. Like I I guess I... I don't typically wait until I'm hungry to eat. I just kind of eat because I know I need to eat, you know? Yeah, yeah. For me, it's just like um, realizing that the taste of something sounds good. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I, if I'm full, I kind of feel very neutral about food. And then if I'm feeling hungry, I know it's because like, just like the sound of lunch just sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Yeah, I have very mild you know, symptoms of hunger. And it's like, before when I was restricting, I would get really hungry around like 8, 9 a.m., normal breakfast time. Mm-hmm. But when I went all in, I was like hungry at 5 a.m. Like, so it was just kind of like the same thing, but different where my hunger ramped up and mine ramped up quickly and earlier. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you stop taking, having all of these intentional taking away and you're giving intentional giving it it just will suddenly you'll start wanting yes (laughs) yeah it will come back absolutely and yeah for me I just like food just starts to sound good before I get physically like grumbling stomach so Yeah. yeah like listen to what your whatever you think your symptoms are is not wrong Mm -mm. And I think another thing that 
ladies often miss is when they start thinking about food, they don't really realize that's also a sign of hunger. And I think that's really important to highlight here. Like, I guess I should say that's probably my first sign of hunger. And then if, like, let's say you and I were recording this podcast right now. I literally just had lunch, so I'm probably not going to get hungry while we're recording this. But I might have, like, thoughts about food. And if I kind of push those thoughts about food to the side, by the end of this recording, I might have, like, that slight headache above my brow telling me, like, you need to eat as soon as you're done this podcast episode, right? But, yeah, I know a lot of women listening to this episode right now, they think about food a lot, but they're like, oh, I'm not hungry. (laughs) That is a sign of hunger. That's like our first question about what changes or like what amazing things have changed because recovery is like, you think you will never stop thinking about food the way that you think about food now for Mm -hmm. many of us. And then when you start getting to eat again, those feelings go away and they become more sporadic and so then you're able to identify like actual hunger times versus being always hungry always think about food when you finally start eating intentionally and your hunger cues come back you'll not think about food and then you will think about food and there's like a huge difference between the two Mm -hmm. and you'll know that the times you're actually thinking about food is actually not that many times a day, mm-hmm. you know, three, four times a day, and you are you eat. It's wonderful. Yeah, so I actually have a really great, like, real-life recent example of this that literally happened, like, two hours ago. <laughs> so I had lunch, and I ate that lunch, and I was sitting on the couch catching up on my texts because I had been um, on calls all morning, so I ate lunch, was texting, catching up on those messages. And about like 20 minutes later, I noticed that like I I thought about food, you know, like I was kind of like thinking about snacks in my fridge. And so I got up and I went and I made myself a yogurt bowl. And I literally just had lunch like half an hour before that. But then I ate that bowl of yogurt and I literally haven't thought about food in that way since you know so yes to what you were saying it's like you're going to experience those thoughts about food but they're not persistent intrusive never go away type thoughts yeah what you just said now I might go on a a little tangent but also when you have just had meal and then you get hungry again shortly after and you're kind of like oh well that's weird you know, I just ate and I'm hungry now. And so, you know, sometimes a negative thought might like come in for some reason about like what it means about you because you're hungry again. Um, I think, you know, I've experienced a lot of that before too. And now with so much practice in just eating when I'm hungry, I found, okay, all that meant was that there was something missing from that lunch. Mm-hmm. That's all. It was something missing. It wasn't like you suck at knowing how, like what mm-hmm. the energy, you know, calor- caloric intake is in the food. 
I don't care how like long you've been tracking your macros or something. It's not very easy. And especially when you stop doing it, it goes away pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Um, So you just didn't eat enough. And then you go and if you do eat after lunch, instead of sitting there thinking, no, I'm going to push back on this because I just ate, you'll then be satiated and then you will stop thinking about food. It's not going to spiral out of control and you're suddenly going to just like not be able to stop eating. You're a bit hungry, you had a whole meal, that's weird. Eat an extra snack just to like top it off and the the thinking about food will go away. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to add that in because that's like an experience of mine. I know the question was about like not being in touch with your hunger cues, but But the end goal is for her to be in touch with her hunger cues for sure. And I think with that very long-winded answer from both of us, it just kind of shows her that you might have to be intentional at the start. But definitely from my experience within a few days, you know, those hunger cues come back and I was still intentional. I still had those you know, hard rules for myself, those hard loving rules for myself that every morning I woke up and ate my breakfast. And I feel like when I was consistent with that, you know, like my hunger was consistent, but yeah, I, I liked that chat about that. So moving on to the next question, I promised this listener we would get to her question and I'm going to just kind of like summarize what she asked me. So essentially, she's waiting for her period to come. She's recovered from HA and she's on like about day 27 or so. And her period has still not came. And just this weekend, she went on kind of like a longer bike ride with her partner. First form of exercise she's done since recovering and she's wondering if that one exercise that one bike ride totally put her over the edge and back to square one again okay so she's had a recovery period and she's waiting on another one yes and she's around day 27 today and a couple days ago she went for a bike ride and she's wondering if the one bike ride kind of, you know, did her in and put her back to square one with her recovery. Okay, interesting. I'm so curious what you're going to say. I can go first if you want. Yeah, I feel like I've been talking a lot, so you can (laughs) tackle this one first. Okay, so I have so much compassion for how much you're freaking out right now about that. Um, it's so easy to be like, it's not coming. And so now I'm going to pick apart all of my behavior lately and to figure out what went wrong. I think day 27 is not, I mean, you're on like the early, early end of your cycle. And I've had cycles anywhere between 24 days to 65. So you're fine in terms of that at the moment. Um, when you're recovering from HA, I think as well, if you had a period that was, you know, 30 days or 20, maybe you had your last one was 25 or something. And so that's why you think you're overdue. You can't expect to have the same days, like the same cycle length every single month. I don't 
think based on what I've heard and knowing nothing else about this person that this bicycle ride is responsible for your missing period. Uh, it's not really possible because your period is coming. If, if your period is due tomorrow, you're not going to stop it coming tomorrow by doing something today. It's a much longer process than that. Whatever behaviors you might be doing now might affect your next cycle, but are less likely to affect this cycle. Uh, to put it like very simply, I suppose. And, uh, you know, it, it just really depends like how sensitive you are to a bike. Like, I'm not going to say that one bike ride can or can't affect your progress. I, I don't know that about you. Only you know how sensitive you are. I personally am really sensitive to increasing my exercise intensity. Like the second I increase that intensity, or volume, you know, I see an impact in some way, whether it's a double peak, I don't know if you know what that is, but maybe one day we'll explain it, a double peak or an ovulation, something like that with my cycle or an entirely missed cycle. But basically to this person, I wanna say, you need to give it a little bit more time, breathe, chill. It sounds like you haven't done anything wrong. And if you've treated this cycle like you did your last recovery cycles, you should see it come. And if it doesn't come, it's probably not the bike ride and you should probably look at something else that you did that previous month. Mm-hmm. That's my two cents. Yeah, I fully agree with what you said. And, um, you know, her kind of her last question to me was if she, th- if I thought she was back at square one and I don't think you can ever get back to square one and that's kind of because Danny I agree 100% with what you said so I don't think I need to like echo anything or repeat anything but maybe talk a little bit more about no matter like what happens if you go through HA recovery you get your cycle back maybe you have a few recovery cycles and then you miss one because maybe you did, maybe you started adding in some exercise. You and I both went through that process, right? Like we majorly dialed back our exercise, we added it in. And if when we added exercise back in, if we missed a period, and I mean like both you and I have missed periods between now and when we first recovered, never, ever would we ever be back at square one and neither is she right you you have recovered from ha you have had recovery periods and there's never going back to square one for you right you've had that experience and you are where you are right now and i would just be really patient with this period that you're waiting for because like you said, day 27 or whatever day you're on, like, just give us some time. And we all have to realize how much like that mental, emotional stress that we put on ourselves waiting for the next recovery period to come. Like that is probably doing more impact on your period arriving than any one bike ride would do you know 
Yeah, totally. And a quick, just so I have to give this person a relatable experience. I just got back from six days in the wilderness in the middle of Wyoming. No showers, no internet, nothing like full off the grid primitive camping. And I'd never done that before. And it involved walking 50 miles, oh, sorry, yeah, 50 miles. No idea what that is in kilometers. Um, I'm, sure. I'm familiar with miles. Okay. I don't know. Everyone else in the world, we use kilometers. And then it's just like America. Well, I get um, kilometers too, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so 50 miles. And then in the first two days, it was like over 11 kilometers, uh, over 11 miles. And that was excruciating. It was so stressful. We were hiking completely uphill. I cried multiple times. My feet were in so much pain. I had a heavy pack on my back. Like it was in my head as I was hiking, I was like, this is actually what our stress response is designed for. I'm freaking out. I like, I just don't feel safe. I'm at the, on the top of this mountain. I'm in so much pain. Like this is what my stress response is for. There's no way I'm going to get a period. <laughs> this is what I was thinking, right? And you know what? It potentially I might miss the next one, but but I'm getting one right now. And that's because the, like the time frame that the excruciating pain happened was just like way too close to when I'm actually due to have a period. I, this was like four days ago. So just that little example, I'm basically in the same thing and I'm about to get a period. I've got all the symptoms. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said before, you know, it's kind of like this one time thing, but if you kept doing that, like if you kept over exerting yourself and you kept experiencing that type of stress, that's when it's all going to add up and impact your future cycles perhaps, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So your backpacking experience, that's another win of recovering, I guess, eh? Yeah. Oh, there's like no way I would have had the energy to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, were there any questions that you really wanted to tackle this week, Danny? Well... Before I do, I will say, guys, um, Meg and I both add questions to this. So I'm going to hop on my account in the next coming days and request more questions. So if you guys want to add any, you can let her know or me know, whatever, and we'll both add it to our little document that we have here. Okay, this is an interesting question. I mean, it's more of a statement that I suppose we can comment on. (laughs) It's not really a question, but I resonate a lot with it, which is, Someone has asked us to talk about wanting to change your body and not liking how it looks in an age where everyone is like, you must love your body, don't change anything. It's something I really struggle with. So I guess, yeah, like how how do you self accept? How do you have body neutrality or how do you love your body when, when you don't, but everyone's telling you that you have to is what I'm getting from this question. Yeah, totally. And for me, I had, I wasn't even like recovered from HA at this point when I had this like big aha moment, but I actually wrote about it on Instagram. So 
I can like link up this particular Instagram post in the show notes. But basically, I like announced to the world that I had discovered like this amazing gray area called body neutrality. And I had no idea that it existed because I either spent like my entire life hating how my body looked or I spent my entire life thinking that I needed to love my body and trying to like pursue that, right? But there's this amazing place that is right in the middle and it's like super gray and there's no rules and it's called body neutrality and it's so cool to be in there. And 1000% like, do I love who I am right now? 100%. I love my body so much, but I also feel like extremely neutral about it, right? Like it's not like I every day I look in the mirror at myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, my body's so perfect, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not how I, like, essentially, like, look at myself and feel about my body. But I'm very, I've reached that place of body neutrality and I just, like, kind of don't give a shit about how many roles I have or how defined my stomach looks or, you know, when I'm sitting here, if, like, my belly's hanging over my pants, which it totally is, right? But I'm just neutral about it. I'm not fighting this stuff. And that's that's called self-acceptance. Like, it's just straight up accepting yourself as you are. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about that, you know? Yeah. No, I completely agree. I tried the whole, like, I love everything about myself suddenly overnight, you know, real elbow grease in there to make that happen. And it's not very easy. It's like going, you know, diving off the highest platform before trying the intermediate or going down the biggest ski jump before trying the bunny hill. Like you just can't. And when you're so tired and it just exhausted from all of this stuff that's going on you know it's a lot easier to to look at body neutrality or like 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 to look at yourself in the mirror and say to yourself okay than it is to say to yourself oh I just love everything about this so 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 much you can totally get there and we'll also have those days where we're like really feeling ourselves totally those yeah those are wins that you can only get I feel by entering into the neutrality space more frequently it's like that's the foundation that you need is to work towards looking in the mirror and basically feeling neutral about your appearance it's so important and it's so helpful like how think of those times when you've been you know walked through the bathroom or somewhere where there's a mirror and you've just like spotted yourself and you've had thoughts about your appearance negative thoughts about your appearance and you do it every single time you see your own reflection well what if you were literally able to just not even notice it you saw yourself in the mirror and you were just like that's me and you went on isn't that doesn't that sound so much more achievable than looking at yourself and like just absolutely loving everything you see like that's just not realistic for anything or for anyone so a focus on body neutrality I think is like the step the the first step and the rest sort of just comes with it Mm -hmm. after a while 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, girl. That is good stuff. So I'm going to wrap up this episode by saying if you were listening to our answers to that last question slash statement and you're like, okay, I really want to be able to walk past a mirror and just not really notice myself and not think all those thoughts. So my number one suggestion to you would just be like, get out of the freaking mirror. Stop spending so much time in front of the mirror. Stop spending so much time looking at yourself and dissecting yourself in front of the mirror because if you don't want to constantly be thinking about how you look every single time you walk past a mirror, then you really need to stop being in front of a mirror. That would be your first homework assignment from Coach Meg. Okay. I like that. And I have a couple of really great ones that I've gotten from, directly from my therapist, actually, that maybe in a future episode, we could add on more like homework like that, because there's some really good like tactical exercises that you can do at home to help yourself get to this place. Yeah, definitely. We could do maybe like a, in the future, a whole kind of like body image makeover homework episode type thing. Yeah. That'd be awesome because I definitely have a lot more up my sleeve for sure. I bet. (laughs) Awesome. Well, this has been a wonderful episode, Danny. Thank you so much for coming on again. And I hope you all enjoyed part three of our HA Recovery Q&A series. Bye, guys. (laughs) 